Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres MC podcast, podcast focusing on all the soccer, the DMV, and across the U.S. My name is Jose Mania, sports writer for the Fourth Post, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, you know, just hanging there, chilling like a villain, and gelling like a felon. Well, good for you. One person who isn't chilling or is kind of confused by his situation is D.C. United's Paul Areola. This week has been an interesting week for the D.C. United midfielder as there have been multiple rumors concerning his future with the club, even though he's on a D.P. contract. Reports out of Tudene, a.k.a. Univision Sports, suggest that D.C. United is preparing to make a deal that would bring Areola to Mexico to join the Liga MX Giants Club America. In a most recent interview with Duden, Ariola said the following about the rumors that have been flying around Mexico about his potential move to America. Quote, yes, there is something. I don't know if it's a rumor or if it's real. I can't say much, but there is interest. He goes on to say that the doors are always open. If there's interest, if there's an opportunity for him to play for a club that loves him, that he plans to go and play for whatever club that is. For right now, he's focused on the national team. He hasn't played in two months, and he and he will just go wherever it goes, essentially, whether he's in D.C. or with another team. But right now, his focus is the U.S. men's national team as he's currently in camp prior to the World Cup qualifiers. Mario, we've been following Paul since he came from Cholos a couple years back on this DP deal. What are your thoughts on the rumors that he could be leaving for another club? I feel like I heard this rumor before last year that he went on loan to Swansea. But uh, it's it's interesting to say the least. I mean, Club America is, some, is always a team that's rumored to bring in big names, whether it's players from Europe or other parts of Latin America. So it, it's kind of not surprising that they're going after Paul Ariola. Uh, but again, it's just a rumor. I, 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 I'm more of I'll see it when I believe it kind of, kind of a guy. But yeah, the fact that there is interest to take Paul Riola back to Liga Mekis is kind of interesting, especially considering that America, one of their biggest weaknesses right now, the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things they're looking for is it a, is a striker and they've been going out in the market to look for one. And it's just interesting all in itself that they're going after Paul Ariola. Yeah, you know, for those who don't know, Paul, he's heading into his sixth season with DC after signing from Cholos in 2017. He has 20 goals and 16 assists and 89 appearances. Injuries have limited his time the past two seasons. However, he has been United stalwart. Hernando Sada said in his introductory press conference after his first practice. Paul is essentially his best player. He literally said, Paul is my best player. So United selling or loaning off their best player has to be a good deal. Now, remember, United paid a transfer fee. It's reported at $3 million to buy him from Cholos. And at this point, United would need more than three. So this one was coming off of Black and Red United. And this is more of like rumor. So so they would probably be selling him if they were to go on and sell uh, Paul Ariola to Club America around the five or six million dollar mark. I saw that number reported. That was through the internet. They went off on several tweets saying that would be the range that could work. Again, this is this tweets. Is pretty... and it's nothing official. It's nothing 
groundworthy. The reason we're bringing it up, though, is should DC do it? And my only concern now, given what happened today on this Sunday, is United, while it has depth in the wingers, A, you're not going to give away your best player on the cheap, and B, you're not going to give away your best player when your other DP, Edison Flores, was out with Peru today. Originally, it had been reported he wasn't going to go to Peru and their training camp for the Goma Bowl qualifiers for the World Cup. He went to training camp. He played in a, in a friendly game against Panama and came out injured. This is why Paul can't go. This is why it has to be the best possible offer available. Because guess what? You need someone with experience to handle the midfield, someone who's going to stay healthy, someone you can trust. Two years in, I do not trust Edison Flores with this offense, and I do not trust him leading the line. And I think that many DC United fans would agree. If I had to put a we on it, we don't see Edison Flores as a long-term solution if he continues to be in the non-healthy track that he is currently in. So it has to be the best offer. Also, I have to give it to this. Paul always wanted to go to Europe. If he goes back to Mexico, he's essentially killing that European dream, or he believes D.C. is not even close to getting him that European dream. If he thinks that Cuba America is going to help him get there, fine, but you have to have a sell-on agreement as well. I wouldn't do this if you can't get a sell-on agreement, and if you don't know who you're picking up. If you're just going to sell him to sell him, you better have whoever that new D.P. is already on the process. I did say I was going to promise to give Lucy Rushton a chance to do her thing. But this is one of those times when you're giving away your best prize talent. You better be ready for the backlash because I don't think this fan base, there are parts of the fan base that are suddenly saddened, but there are other parts that really do a real head This is the best player you've got. You better get everything and you better replace him. Not with this dream number nine that you've not purchased yet, but with a legit talent, a legit name, a legit star. You can't you can't hide from that anymore. No, you can't, especially considering that you now have Edison Flores again injured. It's uh, and I think I'm also with, with everybody on the fan base. Like I just don't see the Edison Flores. Uh, Edison Flor- Edison and Flores experiment going much further, given all the health problems he's had in the two years with, with DC, which is two major injuries and an injury that, that hampered his return for the end of the season. And now you have this injury with the Peruvian national team in a friendly. you got to consider your options. But also, yeah, you got to get the best possible deal for Paul Ariola. And I don't know if this would be like something that would help him with that European dream per se. I mean, yes, Mexico has been a league where you can kind of trampoline into the into the European into the European market. Uh, it's been it's been tested time and time again that you can do it, and uh, and several players have used it as a as a as a trampoline to get to Europe. But given the circumstances, I don't know if this is possibly the best move for Paul. But you'd also go to a really competitive team in America. If this rumor were to be true, you'd be going to a really competitive club that's going to fight for titles every year. 
but yeah, I'm with you on the whole Lucy Russian thing. You better have a plan B if this Paul Ariola thing go, goes through. And you also got to prepare for the backlash because Paul Ariola is a fan favorite. And so I don't think that DC United fans are seeing with good eyes just the rumor itself. They're not seeing th- this move with any kind of like good eye in, in, in a good in a good light and seeing that and just seeing them automatically jump to conclusions like it's over. He, he he's might as he's good as gone to Mexico when it's still just a rumor, but you got to have a plan B prepared. And you also got to have a plan B for the eventuality that you may have to sell Edison Flores at some point of the season as well. So it's a interesting, it's interesting to see how, how this, uh, how this story turns out, but it's just fascinating how it just took a life of its own within a week. I mean, look, if we don't know what the idea is with the two Latin kids. We have Jeremy Garay. Uh, we have the new signing Ted Cu Pietro. Di Pietro. Di Pietro. So they're both midfielders. Uh, Jeremy plays a little bit more of that eleven role, uh, but Di Pietro has really shown that he can play anything in the midfield, anything with attack. So United has depth in attack. And especially in that winger role in the midfield. But when it's your best player, you have to prepare for the eventual A, backlash, and B, just the consequences. You're going to be in situations where normally Pariola would be there to save you, whether it was his speed, his tenacity, his willingness to chase down balls against defenders. You're going to lose that. So you're going to be trusting a lot of these younger kids or player that's new to MLS to do, to do the work. So... Be prepared for that. And I don't know if Hernan is ready for that yet. He was kind of gunning for the playoffs last year. And a lot of that help came from Paul Riola. And so you're gunning. He sees you one point out. Remember that. You one point out in the playoffs. So if you're, you're going to come into the season without your best player, you have to be imagine, well, I'm fair to the front office, but at the same time, you have to see, will this get us to our eventual goal? of getting to the playoffs. That bare minimum, can we get there with Kudi Pietro? Can we get that with Garay? Can we get that with Flores? Can we get that with Paredes? Can we get that with Yao? It's a lot of youth there. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep my eyes on it. I I honestly don't think... And here's the other thing, too. You don't want to mess with the player psyche. If Paul's already ready to go, Make the move happen the best way possible. We do not need another trip situation. That's another thing United needs to avoid. We saw how that essentially blew up the last season of Lucharu, um, when they couldn't get that deal done. Like he was just in a mental fog ever since. So if Paul's already ready to go, then make it happen. The report said there's a possible loan agreement as well. If it works for him and he wants to go, make it happen. But don't mess with that dude's mind. Luckily, Paul looks like he's in the right place, a bright frame frame of mind right now. He's like only thinking on the national team. That's what he kept repeating the Univision. I'm on the national team. I'm on the national team. But hopefully he keeps that mindset with all these uh, reports going about. All right. So I think that that's I think that's gonna be something to really take it in consideration is just a play is the player psyche. So all, all in all, 
yeah, we'll, we'll just, I guess it's just best to keep an eye on the situation as it go as we get more information. Right. And again, like we'll keep an eye on it. United have picked up uh, through four players from the draft and they brought up uh, Ted. Um, outside of that, there's just been a lot of departures. Preseason starts this week. Uh, Paul won't be there because of national team. But we should keep an eye on it, and we'll let you know what ends up happening. If we may be talking about a loan agreement next week. We may be talking about an explosion of a deal. We may be talking about a sale. So we'll keep an eye on it as it continues. And also happy trails to Frederick Briant, who announced his retirement this week. Yeah, Frederick Briant got his coaching license. He'll be helping Rodney United. Uh, congrats to him. Uh, really rough final season, but I think at the end of the day, his body was breaking down. Hernan Lozada is making everybody do wind sprints on the offseason. And I, you know, after two seasons where he had heavy leg injuries, I think it was time. But he was a great leader, great stalwart, and a great captain for the team. Absolutely. So we just wish him nothing but the, le- the, but the best in his new adventure being uh, an assistant at Loudoun United. Yeah, most definitely. But moving on seamlessly. To another report, uh, we've been focused so much early on with this DCNI report. The main news we were coming into before the Pariola update was that Michelle Kane may have wrestled, wrestled uh, Washington Spirit ownership away from Steve Baldwin. According to The Athletic on Monday, um, Michelle Kane, who's one of the co owners of the Washington Spirit, has convinced eight of the Spirit's debt holders, which is the um, small, small investors. A group of the small investors that uh, have bought into the team, uh, so many names, Alexander Ovechkin is one, have added them to convert their debt into equity, essentially buying a part of the ownership, turning it as ownership stake. By turning it into ownership stake, she's going to get their votes together to get a 52% of the controlling power of the ownership as well as the purchasing rights of the ownership. Essentially, she's saying, you with me? You good? All right. And they flipped everything. Now, the league still has to approve a lot of things. The league needs to, quote, approve the majority of the, the owners. Also approve the transfer to, from equity, from, from debt to equity. And before anything is approved, Kang has not commented on it. However, the Washington Post then reported that Michelle Kang sent a letter to the NWSL board basically saying, quote, Steve Baldwin has no controlling stake of this team or the ability to dictate any cell. Then the next day comes out reports that Todd Bosley, who was the reported multimillionaire that was interested in purchasing a stake, controlling interest of the Washington Spirit, has withdrawn from negotiations. He was looking to buy the spirit in an investment group that had uh, Jennifer Tepper McCaskey, who's a retail executive, and the ownership group of the St. James's. However, that fell through despite having, quote, exclusive negotiation power, unquote. Now, according to sources there, it looks like Bosley underestimated the complexity of the situation concerning the sale, according to The Athletic, and that things had changed. Before we get to all the nasty, I think I just explained everything. 
<laughs> but but I'll shut up now. And Mario, what do you think of what this potential power play? I mean, we're not done yet. We're not out in the woods, but essentially a power play in order to get Michelle King full ownership rights of the Washington Spirit. That was a hell of a reverse Uno card if I've ever seen one in my life. Yeah, this is this is pretty much something that nobody saw coming. But I didn't even know that Michelle Kang had this kind of power to talk to other my to the other minority stake owners of the team. And we're like, hey, listen, I wanna get I wanna take control of this team. Are you in with me? Are you not in with me? I'll give you some equity out of it. And we'll go from there. I want, and it just shows that one, there wasn't that much trust in Steve Baldwin for all report for all the reports that have come out this week, and also that just uh, Todd Bowley pulling out of negotiations shows that this is a whole this whole situation gets even more interesting and a little more messier as we continue to learn more about it. So uh, all in all, I gotta say. What a hell of a power move by Michelle Kang to get to get your investors to be like, hey, I want just need a majority of y'all. All right, we're in. All right, here's my reverse Uno card. I'm taking control now. So this has been a fascinating turn of events. That's for sure. Well, we had heard that, you know, Washington Post reported that the smaller investors at the time, investors had contacted a lawyer to see, and I believe it was um, the attorney who worked the Washington football team's case for the NFL. And she had spoken to the Post, confirmed that they were very dissatisfied with what was going on with not just the ownership situation, but how Baldwin was acting and that Baldwin had very dissatisfied the group. I think, you know, the fact that the NWSL has come back and said, we need to approve the ownership. You're really going to find something horrible about Laura Bush? Like, you're really going to find something? Well, first off, it's Jenna Bush, not Laura Bush. Jenna Bush, Laura Clinton, or the other Clinton. Like, you're really (laughs) going to find, like, what are you going to find? I think think that's just fascinating. You're like, well, uh, first off, we need to investigate a further loop to just to approve this ownership stake. I'm like, what is there to investigate? You're not gonna find much on, not gonna find much on these people. One of them is a former uh, national security advisor. Like, you really want <laughs> yes, yes, we're gonna go into those deep waters. Like, that's where. I understand their. I'm like the worst thing you can find from Alex Ovechkin is him just doing a keg stand uh, on the Stanley Cup. That's probably about it. But I think what the the league is slowly realizing with Tepper drop, with Bosley, excuse me, with Bosley dropping out is simple. At the end of the day, the money talks, and these investors, essentially, it's a reverse pawn. What they did was reverse pawning. When you bring the an item to a pawn shop, you're getting money that then you're going to pay back with interest. What they're doing now, what this is in reverse. They originally bought into the spirit. They put in money, but they didn't buy ownership. They bought in 
to buy off the debt. Essentially, essentially, it was a scholarship. They say, "Here, have the money." Now, Michelle King is like, "Let's convert your scholarship into actual property, like actual item where you can get credit." And these people are like, "Huh?" And so it turns into a line of credit. And Michelle King's like, "When I buy this club straight up, you're going to get some money off of it." Oh, okay. And so that's what's happening. These people see a opportunity to finally make good on their investment. You know, we've heard reports that Alexander Vetsky gave like 100K. We, we now know when we spoke about this last week that the investor that everybody thought was with, was with uh, Baldwin, he gave 500K. He was a legit owner. So when you have these people flipping and turning into ownership, Going with Michelle, at that point, you're running out of steam. <laughs> yes, I agree with Paul Maurer. The lawyers are coming. But I do think that ENWSL needs to stay out of this. They're clearly kind of like siding with Baldwin at certain points of this whole thing. I think they need to stay out of this. This is going to be for the lawyers. This is going to be for the contract. At this point, it seems like Michelle's Got the edge. We'll still see what happens. But all this is legal. This is legal business stuff. This is all legal practice stuff. The only thing I do want to mention is the report that from The Athletic that alleges that the supporter groups were contacted. All three supporter groups came back saying they were not contacted. Look, that is the former interest group that was – preparing to buy the team saying that's what they were going to do. They said they reached out to y'all. At the end of the day, it don't matter. Just say, look, they reached out. We didn't answer. Or if they didn't reach out, you don't even have to bother. At the end of the day, just stand back and watch. Just stand back and watch, and you'll see what happens. I felt like the supporter groups really <laughs> need to go out and say, we were not contacted, but this is great. <laughs> They're not buying in. <laughs> At the end of the day, these owners, these people who are trying to buy ownership from all intents and purposes were just trying to you know, support the league. I feel like at the end of the day, regardless of what we think should be the correct move, we shouldn't say no to other opportunities. This guy didn't come in going, well, I just want to buy this for my friend. Like, he came in saying, I I'm interested. I spend money on other sports teams. I'm interested in the spirit. He bought in his female friend, and it, was, it turned out to be a bad play. But he brought her in thinking that it would ease the tide a little bit. Not everything is going to have a black and white answer. Um, or right or wrong answer, you know, it's, 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 relationships are complicated. Wow. It's not just everything you see on Twitter. So (laughs) it's, it's, you, people need to interact and it seemed like the players weren't interested in these two people, regardless of how they felt about it. And that's fine. I think that the supporters need to relax. You haven't met these people they had a legit interest based on all reports on 
doing good things for the spirit. St. James's idea, from what I know, was to make the spirit have their home base at the St. James's. And for those who have been there, that's a big complex. Could you imagine you go from training to maybe going to a track to maybe work on your legs a little more, going to one of their eight gyms or going to this, one of their 20 saunas, or maybe you just want to catch a, a hockey game just to relax a little bit. You could do that at the same James's. You could, you could also go for a swim at the same James's. They've got a pretty big pool in there. Exactly. So it wasn't like there wasn't thought process involved. Any, and, and guess what? The DCD was used to play at the same James's. They now prefer going, they're planning to go back to PG because they got actual fans in PG. They should have never, never left, but that's another topic for another day. But, but you know, the St. James's has adequate equipment that a local high school doesn't. And that's what they were getting with Steve Baldwin. So, and, and we don't know how Michelle is going to fix that relationship with DC United. Right now, she doesn't have a relationship with DC United currently. And, do you think the St. James is going to have an open agreement if they, she ends up buying the team? No. So this is going to be an, something to watch. You're not going to just go to City Hall one day and be like, here's $5 million, build me a soccer facility. Like, that doesn't happen either. This isn't Florida. So <laughs> it, it, it's not fully roses yet. It's the league supposedly needs to investigate these owners. They need to approve this. The, the flips but ultimately i do see this saga coming to an end but not right away i still think we have a month of this left yeah and especially considering that you have to go through a lot of the legal stuff and, and anything that goes through like any kind of like litigation it takes time so i don't think this will be resolved all the way really quickly but this is kind of like a stepping stone to going into a resolution of sorts. And also, yeah, this takes a lot of relationship building. So for Michelle Kane, you got to figure out, okay, if I own the team, where am I going to, where are we going to hold practices? Where, like, what are the best training facilities for my players? Or especially considering that the future long, late in the future, you want to build your own training facility. So you got it's a lot of building relationships. It's a lot of give and take. So yeah, I think I still find this interesting. I, I feel that the letter to the just the supporter groups coming out and saying they net we're we're with this idea, but they never consulted they never really talked to us was kind of interesting. Cause I think it's just one of those things that you'll eventually get to consulting. But it's not like it's 100% done. There's still a lot of kinks that you need to work out. And like you said, legal's going to be involved. I feel like this was the course that this was that this whole this whole ownership hot potato battle was going to get to was just going to like a leak to a legal going to uh, to lawyers in a legal standpoint to get everything sorted out. So if I find I'm going to say that, hey, this may, it may, may take more than a month to resolve. I would give it two months. Uh, I feel like there's going to be a little more like quirks that need to be worked out. But I, I think that we're, we're stepping in the direction of this is going to end, but it's not going to be a fast resolution. It's going to be kind of a resolution that takes time. 
to to uh, to resolve. And not only end with this. Look, I'm not saying that what the supporters were out there saying was bad. We don't know who they talked to. They believe they spoke to somebody in these supporter groups. I've been in enough converse, not conversations, but been with people who've had conversations with just the leadership. And part of the agreement is you don't disclose this conversation. So we don't know. We don't know. And again, nothing was official yet. I think, again, it's not fair for every ownership group who's not Michelle King not to have an interest on the team and to just hate on them for that. That's just for this mytopia that some of these supporters are or I wish to have in this world, this is very outside of that bound. You know, I think any owner who's interested, who has the means, should have the right to enter a bid if they want to and if they can afford it and have the opportunity to win the supporters out. I was never in part of of Jason Levian just because he just seemed like a scoundrel to me. I'll be honest. Like, he felt like a salesman. Turned out, he, when he said day one, we're going to cut through D.C. politics, we're going to get the stadium, he apparently knew what he was doing. Sometimes I guess you need to be a scoundrel to get it done. So, so he he knew what he was doing, and so he, he won me over. I think that whoever's the ownership at the end of the day, put, results will ultimately win fans over, but you also need to give the chance. If you don't give the chance, then no one's ever going to respect the ownership and I think at the end of the day I think the players are open to it they at least had the recorded meeting with the supposed owners that were interested they didn't have they didn't feel it it's fine at least they heard out to be jumping through a supposed report and being like we weren't contacted it's a bit, not really, calm down calm down but <laughs> in any event uh we'll end with this real quick short podcast this week but coming up in the next two weeks is the U.S. Men's National Team game in Columbus against El Salvador. And we'll be there. We will be there live and in person um, to catch the affair. And we will attempt to do a podcast after the match, or at least the day after, get our reactions from being at Columbus. Yep, we're going to be there. We're going to be there with our half U.S., half El Salvador jerseys. <laughs> Sad, sad state of affairs, but we're we're hopefully going, you know, it's not just fans, but also, like, we've never gone outside to go see other stadiums. Well, I'll speak for myself to go catch a U.S. men's national team game outside the confines of my local area. A lot of people have done that. One of the spiritual trips is to go to Columbus, so to actually have the opportunity to go to Columbus and, and see a game there is actually really exciting. Yeah, we're going to the one of the meccas of US uh, USMT soccer, so I'm pretty excited. I've only ever been outside to watch a US game in, outside of this area once. That was for a friendly against Spain and Boston at all places. Uh, but no, I, I'm really excited. Not only do I get – it's my first time going to Columbus. Not only do we get to experience a USMT game there, I guess getting to ex- kind of explore a little bit of the city itself to a place that we've never been to before. That's kind of the, of exciting. And yeah, what what is there what is there not to love about that? Exactly. And then we'll try to do the podcast more in person. We do these more on virtual 
just because it's easier. So you'll get all the interruptions and crap that comes with regular <laughs> talking in person podcast land. <laughs> and hopefully I won't be hungover d- during this podcast. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, that'll be enough for us today. So before we let you go, uh, Mario, let people know more when they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm working on or you just want to read my thesis statement on how Tony Yeo is a cultural icon, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. You can follow Tiempo Latino if you want to know what's going on in the world around you or if you just want to know what's going on in the DMV, you can follow them too. At El Tiempo Latino on Twitter. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you really want, if you're really into reading old new reading a hard copy of a newspaper, you can go to your local newsstand or your local metro station. Get yourself a copy today. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. Some sort of special shout out as always. To Kevin McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember to rate and subscribe as always. Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you for tuning into the Bad Hombres FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.